Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome back to another episode of the How I Quit Alcohol podcast. For first-time listeners, please be aware that not all of the conversations within this podcast are suitable for children. I'd also like to add a trigger warning that sometimes the conversations can get a little heavy. We may talk about things like sexual abuse, domestic violence, drug use and alcohol use. And if you feel that that may trigger you, please do not tune in. Also, I'd like to add, if you are a heavy daily drinker, please seek the help of a medical practitioner before quitting alcohol. This podcast comes to you from beautiful Bunjalung country. Please kick back and enjoy. Grab yourself your favorite alcohol-free bevy. And if you haven't already, do a gal a favor. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the Zoom room, I'm joined yet again by the awesome, the magnificent, the wonderful yogi, Mark Purser. How are you, my friend? <laughs> I am, as you just said, magnificent. Thank you. Yay. Not often I get this, but I'll take it. Yeah, I'm good. As I was just saying to you before, I'm feeling like I'm in a nice little rhythm at the moment. I'm busy, but managing busyness in that sort of balance point between organization and chaos, <laughs> but mm. in, in my zone. Yeah. How are you? Wonderful as well. Wonderful. Really great, actually. Really, full of really wonder. Great. You're always full yeah. of wonder. It's, it's oh, a characteristic. Just, uh, yeah, I'm just yeah, super stoked, loving life, all the things. Fill them up the bucket, which is what I want to talk to you about today. I want to have a really real, honest discussion about when we're expending energy all the time, when mm -hmm. we're in times of stress, when we're having shit going on, and why it's so important to fill our bucket. I did a post on it the other day on social media and had just been reflecting on that, just about why it's so important for me, for myself in the role that I do, in the job that I do, mm. because I'm putting out so much constantly, I'm very aware that I've got to fill my bucket. And part of the training that we did with Gabor Mate, he said, 
when you're in the sort of caring profession or like say a healthcare profession or anything like that, when you're working with people, it's so, so important to make sure you're getting at least an hour a day of some kind of self-care. It doesn't mean necessarily a massage or anything mm. like that, but just whether it's some quiet time or some breath work or could be walking on the beach or sitting in nature. So we'll get into that. But it's so important to recharge. And also I know for myself as an introvert, being around people a lot mm. also really drains me really quickly. Yeah. And now I'm aware of that, so I've got to fill my bucket. Funny when you describe yourself as an introvert. And I'm not disagreeing with you. I would consider myself to be an introvert too, but it's probably not how a lot of other people would describe us. It's not how no. I describe you because I see you being quite extroverted, but I can also see there's that need to be on your own as well. Mm. Actually, the term is an omnivert. It's like an extroverted introvert. Right. But okay. either way, get me around people, particularly around a lot of people say I don't know and or just a lot of people if there's a lot of action happening. Mm. Yeah, a lot of talk, a lot of small talk, a lot of big talk. I um, mm. yeah, get very, very drained and I think a lot of people- That's where alcohol is just <laughs> our right. best friend. That's mm. right because that's the problem. A lot of people don't even realise they're an introvert. They actually mm. think they're extroverted because they're the party person mm. but actually the alcohol is masking that very intense discomfort they feel at the start of the party before things get started or before. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, pre-drinks too, you can actually get to a party, definitely been there. But yeah, that's that path of self-knowledge and ultimately getting to know what does our personality really need over mm. time. I definitely mm. need time on my own. I love to be around people. I do enjoy social exchange, but like you say, when you're doing it for a living, you very much need to counterpose that with time on your own, time in quietude. Yeah. Well, I end up doing a lot of coaching with people like nurses and doctors who are working so hard, they're working shift work and they're constantly mm. working with people and they're putting out, putting out, putting out constantly. And they're mm. just absolutely fucking frazzled, Mark. Like they're just beside themselves. And by the end of the week, they want to reach for the wine because it's the quick fix. Mm. And people often don't know how to fill their own bucket. So that's why, of course, mm. I wanted to talk to you today about why it's so important and how does it look for you if you're not filling your own bucket? I know I turn into mm. a mega bitch. Mm. If I'm not doing my practices, even just I wasn't putting out a lot, but in this journey we did around Australia, I talked about it with Lyndall recently that I wasn't doing my practice to its full potential, I suppose. Yeah. And I noticed the unwinding of my brain and my mind and my mm. starting to get a bit shitty with Ash, shitty with the kids, a bit short-fused. I wasn't on my even keel where I normally like to sit. Yeah. And Good so, noticing. Yeah, yeah. Good well, noticing. There, there would have been a time in your life, no doubt, there certainly was a time in my mind where I wouldn't notice and I'd just go way past that point and I'd be either in outrage, in living in total anxiety or drinking and trying to manage that with whatever flimsy tools. But part of the process, I think the really fundamental part of that process is noticing, oh, actually, and we all experiment, I think this practice of, do you develop a practice and then try living without that practice for a while or lessening mm. that practice? What does that feel like? How are you? Don't just take it for granted that it, it works. You know, I know you do a lot of yoga nidra. I do a lot of yoga nidra. Try not doing yoga nidra for a week or so. So how do you go? Particularly adding in pressure because that's often when it does drop off when you get busy and yeah. there's, oh, I'll just leave that. I haven't got, I can't prioritize that at the moment. We do so at our peril and 
we get to that point for me it's fairly quickly where the nervous system's just not in its harmonious space mm. i'm out of my window of tolerance and i start to get intolerant and then intolerable I get become mm. very difficult to be around it's so, great yeah. to be able to see that about ourselves isn't it great mm. great life skill yes that's what i just love about introspection and, and being able to be honest enough to look at ourselves i think sometimes too in our roles too like you're a teacher you teach a lot of people and i do what i do it's so important to be honest and not to put out this bullshit persona that we've got it all sorted and it's so important to be honest and to let people know yeah i slip up as well mm. and if i don't keep up the practice yeah i become a bitch i'm not actually always sitting there on the beach in Yogi pose being my amazing self that it appears to be on Instagram all the time. All time goddess mode. Yeah. yeah I mean, look, right. I, I've not reality. over the last couple of weeks, I had a really busy time. I'd sort of, I've been traveling a lot this year and which was awesome having. Yes, you always, have. I have been doing a lot of traveling, which has been really wonderful, but busy unpacking and packing bags, moving around a lot, definitely quality problems, but. I think sort of overall, I was fairly worn down from a lot of travel over a period of time. And then coming home and I had a builder was doing some work with me and I was sort of working sort of side by side with him, trying to get a little building project done. And we have very different ways of living this builder and I, and for me, managing myself as far as diet, as far as sleep really fundamental and this fairly regular practice of meditation and yoga and breath work. It's just a fundamental non-negotiable part of my life. And when you're rubbing shoulders with people who don't live like that and they don't prioritize things like that, it's easy to go, oh, I'm just going to, we're trying to find harmony. So I'm trying to get the job done. And what we should have done really is both of us stopped and go, actually, you know what, we're going to do yoga nidra because this building site is getting a little bit uncomfortable, but I just, powered on when I usually wouldn't. And I ended up fairly scrappy over a few days, which was challenging. I was just out of sorts. I'm snapping at people. I'm not able to perform at my best. And it's hard when you've got a a responsibility to be there for other people and, and you're not actually able to support yourself. And we have those moments. What do you do when you do get in to periods of stress and and where do you turn? So that's a, an interesting point to reflect upon. And usually we, I think we have a cycle where we move through, I'm absolutely sitting sublime, everything's fantastic, I'm doing my regular practice, life is in total flow, uh, things are beautiful and, and calm, but then we start to take for granted and then we think, okay, maybe I can do a little bit more to you know, shake things up a bit. I, for one, don't like just having the same thing all the time and living the same way. So I, I start to change things. And then I hit a point of, oh, actually I'm moving off the tracks. Like you notice when you're traveling around Australia and then how far off the track do you need to go before the the alarm bells hit in? I mean, you had a check-in with me a couple of weeks ago. We were, are you okay? We'd had a conversation. I think I had a, a chat with one of your groups and I was fairly out of sorts and I hadn't really, I'm just powering on. I could just keep, I've got that capacity, that stoic capacity to to just keep pushing on. But when you've got good friends around you, and I think that's why community and sangha is just such a fundamental part of the, the spiritual path of having people who will check in and actually call you and go, well, where, where are you at? Are you doing your practice? <laughs> and then it's uh, fundamental to have that. But hopefully we can self-reflect and mm. get 
there, but sometimes you won't. Sometimes you'll just keep going off the path until it can get how, how uncomfortable does it need to get? And that's going to be a question. I think, as I said before, one of the telling points of when you're learning is that you don't have to go so far off the path before you start to, those practices start to kick in, whatever those practices are that you're using to to refill the bucket. Yeah, you're so right. I think it's hopefully, unless someone pulls you up, if you've gone a little bit too far, but hopefully we've got that awareness where we can go, I don't feel quite right or I'm starting a bit of shitty thinking here. I'm starting to unravel or I'm getting a bit moody or snappy. What mm. am I not doing? And just having that honest discussion with yourself. But I think the more that you do the practices, the more you become aware of those subtle fluctuations mm. within yourself. And so hopefully it doesn't get too bad. And then like you say, and sometimes we do, sometimes you get, you have a fucking meltdown and that mm. happens as well. But yes. So I think the important thing here is like you were saying, so you were very busy, you've been traveling, you're around someone whose energy is very different to yours and you're not doing your daily practice, same as me, you know, going around doing the thing, not doing the daily practice, things start to unravel. What's so great is though that we've got this thing in our toolbox where we can go, oh, yep, got that, check that straight off mm. for me. It's going to do yoga nidra the day after I called you, you sent me a photo of yourself doing mm. yoga nidra I did. just before you preach. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And then we're back on track again. And then that's the beautiful thing. And it's all learning, right? It's all just learning. Yeah. And yeah. to realize how important it is to support ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I love this analogy of filling the bucket. I've been talking about having a savings account. So we could you're carrying around your wealth in a bucket, essentially. It's that you need to have your bucket fairly full and acknowledging that there's times when the bucket drains out and we haven't got time to keep filling it up. There are periods of time for whatever reason, we have commitments with work, with family, with our life that we're not going to be able to do as much practice or doing as much of the things that we know fill our bucket. We're going to drain the bucket down a little bit. And that is part of the process, but we need to be able to reflect where, where is that bucket at? And you really don't want to be getting too close to the bottom because you've got a tendency towards alcohol abuse and and whatever else that's going to be when you start to get the bucket starts to get too low you're going to start trying to fill the bucket with the simple things the the gratuitous things the you know using alcohol or using the quick fixes that we have bad eating usually the things that aren't really productive in fixing the problems but just help us to switch off from the discomfort that the problems are causing so having that bucket full and taking time out, you know, the things that we've discussed in podcasts previously, but I think it's always worth it just to go over them because it's fairly simple. Like some sort of meditation practice, I think is really fundamental. Like mm. I don't say it has to be all the same. There's various types of meditation practice, but just having some sort of practice that does two things, I think. One is it brings you into quietude and that you can actually come into a space of being quiet and just being in your own mind. So counter posing all the extroversion that for most of us, we live fairly extroverted lives or for a lot of us, probably more extroverted than is actually what's healthy for us a lot of the time. So we have that conscious period of moving into quietude. And the other thing that you can get from meditation practice, and that's when I say meditation, I'm just giving a broad umbrella term, is this a capacity to self-reflect. So you're taking a conscious time out to really go through and, and that might be a roll back on, okay, what's happened in the last day? How have I been? And doing that in a structured manner, I think is really useful sort of mindfulness-based meditation to help just reflect on where you have been and how you're traveling 
if you do that and we talk about having the you're taking that conscious time to do it as part of a regular practice then when you do go into stressful moments perhaps and this is what we talk about mindful living or karma yoga being able to acknowledge in real time so when i come into periods of stressing i can see oh actually you know what this is that voice that it's not really my true voice that's speaking here i'm going into that groove that behavior again of being angsty or perhaps being a bit snappy whatever it is that the ways that we begin to act out when our bucket starts to get too low yeah and like you say we end up reaching for externals to try and soothe that that yuck Mm. that tension that we're feeling in the body or the kind of dysregulated ah feeling so it can turn into addictions or can turn into illness in the body turn into a personality trait. It was in the book by Dr. Anna Lemke on dopamine, and she says states become traits. Eventually Mm. states become traits. That was very, very powerful because I was like, yes, if we keep staying in that same state all the time, it eventually becomes a trait. And then before you know it, your personality type is one of a stressed person. Oh, I'm just mm. a stressed out person. I'm just a stressed person. Mm. I'm an angry person. I'm a this and we sort of be, person. And we begin to define ourselves by that. And it's is yeah. so as you say, it's like, oh, so-and-so or I am an angry person. No, I'm not just angry at the moment. I'm an angry person or I'm an anxious yeah. person or I'm, I'm a depressive person. It's mm. not just an experience that's happening for this period of time. And this is where the, the real gold of meditation practice can come in of really be deeply acknowledging, oh, I'm, I might have an issue with anger, for example. It's like, actually, that's not the definition of who I am. That's mm-hmm. not the definition of who I am. It's just an experience and it may have happened regularly because, as you say, that state has become a trait. However, the good news, the flip side of that is that you can change your state and therefore change your traits. So you can do yes. the opposite. So we can, through this practice of meditation and bringing that into your life on a regular basis, being calm and meditative is your new normal. That becomes your trait. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can literally reprogram ourselves. Uh, it takes a little time, but not as much time as people might think. I think it takes more time for us to realize it than for other people to realize it. Absolutely. And the great thing about the meditation practice is the more you do it, it you really do, you become more aware of your own thought patterns. And the more regularly you meditate. Sometimes I'm doing twice a day, sometimes three times a day now, depending on Mm -hmm. how much time I've got. The more I do it, I just love it so much because I'm just so aware of my thought Mm -hmm. patterns. So it's so great to get back into that groove. I'm so grateful. Like I loved our trip. Like I said, there was a small amount of practice there, but I'm so glad to be back in my own little rhythm and and being able to do Mm -hmm. what I love to do, which is to really work on myself and have that connection with myself. So let's just say a nurse, for example, they're Mm -hmm. working shift work, they're running around, they're looking after everyone else, they're probably not eating well, all those things. Mm. And those signs that start to show up for us when we are continually draining from the bucket, draining, draining, you're getting home on a Monday night, probably shoving some food in your face, glass of Mm. wine, some Netflix, back, boom, do it again the next day, same thing, bucket's drained. This is kind of accumulating by Friday, yeah. no wonder that person wants to get fucking shit-faced because they feel so mm. fucking rubbish. And those signs that we look for within the body, I can only give my examples for what I notice myself and hopefully you can say what you notice. But I notice myself if I'm continually draining and not refilling the bucket, I start to think negative thoughts. I get mm. a bit more negative in my thinking. My inner critic might start to dial up a notch, get a bit louder. I feel it in my body. I can start to feel Mm -hmm. a bit anxious in the stomach. I feel a bit nervy. 
I just start to get irritable, get moody. I might even have an angry outburst at some mm. point because I've just run it dry, absolutely mm. run it dry. That's what I experience. So and it's different for everybody. For some people, they might get depression or they might have an outbreak mm. of eczema. eczema ac- they might have an eczema, eczema outbreak. What does it look like for you when you feel like that you're drained your bucket? I know you are a regular mm. practitioner, but those times like recently when you, mm. what do you notice? Yeah, look, the things that I would notice, it's anxiety and negative thinking. I think that's yeah. the biggest thing of I can't do it. It's going to be a problem. And that it often happens at night. Like I'll get to a point if I've had a big day and if I haven't done yoga nidra in the afternoon, I can be okay during the day, but I feel it often this thing I start thinking about what's happening tomorrow. I go, oh my goodness, I'm a bit overwhelmed. I can't I can't commit to that. I've got no I've got no energy for it. It's like, oh, I don't want to do that. Whatever that thing is in the future, I start to feel a bit fatalistic about whatever it is. And then lo and behold, I have a good night's sleep. I wake up in the morning and go, Yeah, I can do that. I'm ready. Like recharge the batteries, refill the bucket. I mean, a, a good night's sleep for me is the fundamental of everything. And yeah. you just can't underestimate. And you're talking before about nurses, any shift workers need to be hugely aware of the ramifications of messing around with sleep patterns. So it's it's the core of our health. Yoga Nidra is wonderful as an adjunct for people who aren't getting quality sleep, but there is no replacement for a good sleep. I mean, research is showing it needs to be eight hours. I was always told by people, oh, you sleep too much. I was like, well, actually, no, eight, eight hours is what science says is for even a fully grown adult, seven, to eight, seven hours is sort of a minimum of what you should be getting. So if you're not getting that, you need to be thinking about the things that you can do to help support yourself, whether that's yoga nidra, particularly for shift workers, they need to be doing yoga nidra. I did shift work for a long time. I worked in mental health care and disability care and in residential settings, and I was doing all sorts of shift work. And yoga nidra was just my lifeblood. So I was constantly getting in that state. I know that feeling so well when you've, you've off the back of, we were doing back-to-back shifts sometimes. I mean, registrars like young doctors and nurses are just doing insane amounts of work and these crazy back-to-back shifts. It's playing hell on the circadian rhythms. Yoga nidra should be absolutely compulsory. The science is is really clearly showing now that it is probably the best solution that they have. So for me, I noticed that angsty thinking and, and then I'll get snappy. Though unfortunately, it's generally directed at the people closest to me. And that having that conversation in your close relationships and having that awareness and doing that work with your, whether it's your partner or your children or whoever it is, your close work fellows. And so they know what's going on. I mean, you don't have to broadcast it to everybody, but having that with a few really close people, because they're the people who are going to see it maybe even before you do. Yeah, absolutely. So true. For people listening who aren't aware, I know we've talked about it a gazillion times on the podcast, but maybe for first time listeners, Yoga Nidra, Mark, just give us a, a quick breakdown on what it is. Oh, well, thanks, Danny. My opportunity to talk about yoga nidra because it is one of my favorite things to talk about. Uh, Yoga nidra means yogic sleep, literally. You may have heard it described as NSDR, non-sleep deep rest, which describes this state that we're going into. It is a, a practice, classical yogic practice, which is used nowadays in various applications by psychologists and neurophysiologists to help deeply relax the mind and the physical body. So yoga nidra is generally done lying down. It's sort of a bit different to a lot of other meditation practices. And we are putting ourselves, essentially putting the body to sleep. So it's it's a very specifically designed sequential practice where you're guided 
through a particular script and a particular pathway which puts your body into this deep sleep-like state. And at the same time, though, your mind is ultimately supposed to stay awake. Some people fall asleep and that's totally okay too. But it has, even if you do fall asleep, it has profound effects on your physiology, giving you a lot of those healing hormones that you only get in deep sleep. So if you are missing out on regular sleep, that's why Yoganidra can be really, really useful because you're getting this deep healing experience. It gives the mind a, a real reset, helps to reset the sort of executives. You're basically taking the executive function of the brain offline for a period of time and giving you a profound rest, which you can take almost at any time, really. And amazing stuff, highly recommended. It's absolutely so wonderful. And I know I bang on about it a lot. So some people go, here mm. they go again. Talking about here they go now. again. Listen yeah, to the health, they go. But it's so important. It's essential for me. Mm. And you don't have to do a long one. You don't have to do a 45-minuter. No. Sometimes I'll just bang out a 15-minuter, Mark. I don't yeah. know how you feel about that. Fine. Being the purist that you are. No, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a purist. It's, uh, it's fine to do. I mean, just, if you can do 45 minutes, it's awesome. There are things that if you only do 15 minutes, you're not going to, there's certain effects that you won't get to, but you'll get a lot of the positive effects. Usually when we were in Bali in April of this year, we were doing regular yoga nidra with our group there. And I think universally they were like, that was the thing. If they gave the feedback over the course of the week, because then we were doing at least 30 minutes of yoga ninja with that group every day. And from the feedback that I got, and I think you probably was the agree, is that that was the one thing of all the things they did during that week that was the standout. Or when we gave them the option at the what, what do you want to do? What's the last thing you want to do? It was like everyone's just yoga nidra. It's because it's amazing. It's yeah. uh has a a way of cutting through the fog and a way of cutting through all the angst that no other practice has. I mean, there's a lot of other great practices that I use and I teach and I engage with, but yoga nidra cuts through in a way that nothing else really seems to. It's so How wonderful. do we access yoga nidra, Danny? Where do we find it? Well, Mark and I both have yoga nidra practices on the Insight Timer app. So if yep. people would like to check Mark or myself out on Insight Timer, we've got lots of yoga nidra practices up there. I've got a 23-minute which is a super relaxing one. I've got a 15 minute and Mark, you probably mm-hmm. have all sorts. I've done a few of yours on there. There's also on the Spotify panel, if you're listening oh, to Spotify, you can, I did record one one time. Yeah, on this podcast channel. Podcast yeah, on this channel. podcast channel, you did one yeah. as well. You just have to search on the podcast. Spotify is the easiest way to search up podcast episodes, yeah. but just put Yoga Nidra, Mark Persa, and that will come up as well. So yeah, I mean, Yoga Nidra is um, definitely my religion. I'm teaching it pretty much to everyone or encouraging people that I coach to start using it. And mm. it's absolutely wonderful. That's probably my go-to bucket filler, without a doubt. Mm. I've got a lot yeah. of practices I do, but that's my daily yeah. go-to. I have to do it, not negotiable, especially if I'm working hard and I'll look, I can mm. even have say six coaching sessions in a day, which is a lot. Like that's yeah. my really Huge. outer edge. Yeah. And I will still make sure I do a yoga nidra at the end, even before I get out and go and see the family. Even if it's a mm. 15 minute one, I just have to reset myself before I go out. Because if I was to do six coaching calls and then go straight out into the family land, mm. it's too much. I, I just can't, yeah. I'm not there. I'm not present. I'm, my nervous system's a bit shot. I just have to do it. Even the 15-minute one, and I'm fine. I'm good to go. It's not yeah. long. There's no excuse to not do something like this to support yourself. It's so much better than reaching out for some kind of external 
or letting your nervous system go completely out of control where you end up getting sick. That's the other thing. Mm. The body manifests, it holds onto this stress. And if we don't try and alleviate it somehow, if we keep it in the body, if we keep pushing it down with food or alcohol, or we just keep it stuck in there, it's going to mm. manifest somehow, some, some way. way. Yeah. Some way. I was looking at something just recently, talking about the CEO of Google. I can't remember his name, but he was apparently a very sort of well-acknowledged. It was Andrew Huberman, who's a well-known neurophysiologist, producer of the Human Podcast, was talking about this guy as one of a, a famous person who uses yoga nidra. And they're really targeting sort of high-flying people and looking to uh, ways that you can improve capacity, Im- improve your output and effectiveness, particularly in the business world. And he talks about yoga nidra as being super effective for thinking people so this guy who's the ceo of google he's he's got a busy job no doubt he does a lot of thinking so a really useful meditation practice for him is actually not something that requires more thinking so a lot of meditation techniques actually ask you to do some thinking and or focus you know it's actively using using the prefrontal cortex in a particular way whereas yoga nidra literally just takes everything offline so you're doing a full system reset and it's very similar for you danny is that you're in those coaching calls, you're like super present. You've got to be taking in all the information, being really super present for people, giving them real-time feedback. And that takes a lot. It's it's tiring. It's it's requiring a huge amount of processing power. So a meditation technique that requires more processing power is probably not going to be super effective when you're doing that sort of work. And you're not going to want to do that a lot of the time. And that's where yoga nidra, it's the practice that you crave, which is essentially taking the system offline. The body can refill its own bucket. The body knows what to do to refill the bucket. We we just need to give it time and space a lot of the time to stop organizing things and just give it the time to actually do. So should we talk about a few other things? Because there's a lot of, I mean, yoga nidra, obviously we can put that at the top of the list, but there's certainly, I wouldn't say just yoga nidra is enough. No, of course. I was going to say, what are some other things that we do. I mean, so that's the granddaddy. That's the Mac daddy for me. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But I can give you my list. So for me, obviously, walk in nature. I have to be in nature. Beach walks. Beach walk for me. If I don't get down there, I might just go sit out on my deck, which has got trees everywhere. Mm. And I might just sit and be with those trees for a a little bit. Do some journaling, move my body, all those things as well. You know, and I like to get into the ice bath and do things like that. I've got an infrared Mm -hmm. sauna here at home, which I'm lucky enough to have. I might fork out a bit of money every couple of weeks and go get a massage. There's lots of things that I do actually to mm. make sure that I'm really prioritizing the self-care and it's, it's not selfish. You don't have to be rich because some people, I've had a few emails from people going, it's all right for you. You live up mm. there in Byron Bay. Well, that's bullshit. Mm. You don't have to, it doesn't matter on your fucking postcode or your bank balance. Yeah. The great thing about the best things in life are genuinely free. When we're talking about this sort of stuff, yes, there is certain things that money can buy as far as healthcare goes. Yoga Nidra for free. Danny and I are both putting practices out there for free. And there's a reason we do it because it was given to us for free and we want to just get it out there, easy to access. But going for a walk in nature, it's for free. And that, I mean, for me, if I was going to put the list of the top things, it would be Yoga Nidra. It's going to be spending time in nature on a daily, if if not daily, semi-regular basis. I love hard physical exercise a couple of times a week and that could be surfing. Ideally, it's surfing. That's for me, that's one that, but I don't, it's interesting with surfing because it's one of those things that can actually drain the bucket too. 
if I do too much surfing, and I'm sure you've seen this with Ash, you just turn into I turn into a zombie. It just drives just like yeah, surfed out, surfed out, which is lovely, but it's not. If I come home and I've been surfing, I'm just like, oh, I just want to lie on the couch. I am not able to do other things that I should not fulfill my responsibilities, whatever they might be. And that can cause strain and pressure elsewhere. But so some sort of strong physical exercise a few times a week, I think, is my body craves that. Yeah. And then gentle exercise almost every day. So some of that could be just gentle yoga practice. Yeah, I like to do a little bit of physical yoga practice every day. I'm a huge fan of breath work and I do practice pranayama, even just in just a simple form pretty much every day. And that might only be five minutes. It might just be a really simple practice, five minutes of Nadi Shodan or just connecting awareness to breath, something like that Mm. most days. Mm. And time with family, prioritizing time with loved ones and making that experience a quality one. And I'm not a relationship counselor by any means, but I think that's really important. And I mean, I just today had lunch with my partner, Stina. We sort of booked a lunch date and and we're both busy. Things get easy to overlook. And we actually, you know what, we're going to, we went out together, put on some nice clothes and and went out for a nice lunch at a cafe together. And and those things, it just filled me up. It makes her happy, which is, it creates this sort of feedback feedback loop. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's certainly other things too but one of the things I've sort of noticed over time, in yoga we talk about sadhana. You've probably been introduced to this word. Whatever sadhana is, it's a, any action towards a spiritual goal. So any action that is, and when I say a spiritual goal, I mean something that's going to bring you into alignment, bring you back, and that the spirit wants to be at peace and the spirit wants to be content. So anything that's going to add to that. And what I realized over time I thought that sadhana originally was introduced to the chair was just getting up really early in the morning and doing a hardcore physical yoga practice and being a really sort of stoic yogi. And I think a lot of people struggle with that idea. And that's why one of the reasons why Yoga Nidra was just such a godsend. It was like, actually, you know what? My yoga practice can be an afternoon nap. Are you kidding? (laughs) (laughs) And, And yes, and it was like, it was a great victory. And in fact, you know, when I came to that with an objective approach, I realized that that afternoon nap was way more beneficial for me than getting up at six o'clock in the morning and pushing myself into a space that I didn't necessarily want to be in. A lot of people love that. You know, I know yogis who get up every morning, go to class, I'll get up and practice on their own. It's not never really been my jam. I love to practice. I do, but finding what I've realized over time is a method that works for you and doing something every day. So some form of sadhana, some form, some action, some intentional action that fills your cup, fills your bucket. So, and that might be getting up and doing a yoga practice. It might be doing a beach walk, uh, but do something every single day, something every single day. 100%. It's so important. And I think that's the takeaway from this podcast today is to make Mm. sure, am I doing that thing? My sadhana, that was mm. going to keep me connected and fills my cup. It does all the things mm. and it doesn't have to be much. It can be very, very simple, but it's so important yeah. if you are yeah. expending, if you're putting out and look, it's not just doctors and nurses and coaches and yoga teachers. It's mums. It's people that work down at the at Coles checkout. It's anyone that's basically living in this world today. There's so much going on and we've got mm. things at us all the time. Things are coming at us. We're constantly distracted. 
So it's important for everyone and to ask that question, am I filling my cup? Because if we don't fill our bucket, sorry, so to speak, fill a yeah, bucket. We go, we're cu- cups are small. We want, a, we want a big bucket. Yeah, we want to fill a big fucking bucket. But if we don't fill the fucking bucket, we're going to fill the, the wine glass. Yeah, you know? it'll be the fuck it bucket. Yeah. Yeah, we don't, want to t- we don't want to touch the fuck it bucket. So that's right. It's an important conversation and it's something mm. that you've got to come to yourself too. I mean, Mark and I, we can suggest things, of course, to do. I mean, look, I'd love the idea of a Friday night yoga class or a Friday night yin yoga or mm. a beautiful massage, just something beautiful. But yeah. not just on Friday night is what we're getting at too. It's you know, it, it's it's all the things. you. Do. I think there needs to be a level of intention about it and thinking it's not just about balancing the nervous system. So it could be a session with your therapist. It could be an AA meeting. It could be connecting, going and doing some service somewhere. It might be if I know a lot of people into like yogic chanting, it could be a chanting group. It could be such a diverse range of things and they're going to be different for you. They're going to be different. They're going to be doing those things over, I look at sort of over the course of the week generally speaking, I'm going, okay, I need to do these things. I need to have some connection to my community. I like an AA meeting. So I usually go to one AA meeting a week. I would go my yoga practice a few times a week. I do my yoga nidra practice a few times a week. I need some hard physical exercise like surfing or, or some a decent workout a few times a week. So there's a lot of things that happen over the course of a week, but it doesn't necessarily has to happen every day. So that's me. I like to have a bit of a loose form, but I know that over the, I look back in a week and I go, oh, yep, I've ticked those. I could tell if I've ticked all the boxes or I look forward into the next week and just consciously aware of how much am I programming into that week? Am I going to leave space for the personal care? Am I going to leave space to fill the bucket? Because if I don't leave space to fill the bucket, then it's not going to get filled. And it's got to be a little bit of intention and perhaps saying no to things sometimes. I think once you realize and once you do, you sort of fall in love with your sadhana a bit, this spiritual mm-hmm. practice, you fall in love with whether it's yoga nidra, like I hear you talking, like a lot of my yoga nidra students are like, they're devotees. They're not devotees to me, it's devotees to the practice. And that's, and, and the reason is because you do fall in love with it because it just takes such good care of you and you go, wow. And then, so you're able to say no to things because it's like, well, is that going to affect my sadhana? Is that going to leave me time to fill my bucket? And we make mistakes. Often it's when we sort of agree to do things or take on a new project or get a bit out of sync and it's we lose connection to that process of filling the bucket and then we and then we realize, oh wow, I've drained way too low here. And that's where we need the system reset to step back. You might get a little intervention from your friends and go, hey, what's going on there? You've been filling your bucket recently? Yeah, that's right. I would say as well that anytime you get a, a big urge or craving for something, I think that's a big sign too. Mm. If you're getting a big craving for a drink or if you're getting a big craving for a sugar hit, it's again not asking the question, you know, what do I mm. want but what do I need? What's my body telling me that I need right now? And pretty much mm. I can guarantee if you're having an urge or a craving for anything, and I reckon pretty much anything, you probably mm. need to work on your sadhana. You need to work on your spiritual practice. Give it some time because your body is crying yeah. out. It's saying, hey, something's up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love the word sadhana. I don't want it to sound too lofty to people because it, we're, we're pragmatic yogis. Sadhana can be going for a walk. The things that you need, call it whatever you want, bucket filling or just self-care, but it's the things that we need to do to keep ourselves in this 
happy space. Uh, psychologists talk about our window of tolerance, this space in which we can make quality decisions where we're comfortable and can remain calm and feel empowered to live our best life. And if we're out of sorts, as you say, and you start to find that the cravings are definitely a strong indicator and it can start simple. For me, it's like, well, I'm feeling a bit tired, run down. I'll just grab, I might buy some junk food. And, and I yeah. just want that quick sugar hit. That's usually a, a, a pretty obvious early warning sign, shall we say. Yeah, 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 100%. But if you were to go and perhaps do a quick yoga nidra at that point, mm. you might not go for the junk food. It does require a bit of discipline as well. That's the other thing until you really fall in love with it. But look, I'm in love with it and I still it does require some discipline at times. I don't know about you, Mark, but yeah. Yeah, definitely. Discipline is part of it. We can't deny it. There is a level of discipline, as I said before, saying no to things and actually going, you know what, I'm going to choose yoga nidra over whatever it else is, or I'm going to choose that beach walk over. I'm going to get up in the morning and commit to doing this every day this week or for mm. whatever period of time. The good news is it doesn't have to be all day every day. We don't have to be saints. Oh. We don't definitely don't have to. It's just every day prioritize some time for that self-care for me i feel without sounding like a wanker but for me it's just like i feel like i love myself enough now to want to do it like i really want to support myself and support my body and of course mm. people around me as well so i don't want to go around being a, a bitch face mm. but when you're early on perhaps in sobriety and you've got an element of self-hatred still going or you don't trust yourself perhaps or don't mm. love yourself enough I think it's harder to sometimes get there, wouldn't it, do you think? Mm, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the further you go on the path, ultimately creating a, a life that you fall in love with. For me, the reason I don't drink today is because I love my life so much. I don't want to do anything that would possibly jeopardize that. I don't want to do anything that's going to take me away from being my absolute very best. So alcohol is just a non-negotiable. There's just too much risk attached to it. I don't know what it's going to be like. You know, I haven't had a drink for such a long period of time. It's just like, it's just not even on the radar. Like I see people who are like drinking and I'm like, oh yeah, that looks nice sometimes. Like I said, oh, that looks, could be fun. But I, if, if I'm in my good space, which most of the time I am, thankfully, that I'm actually able to weigh that up, the cost-benefit analysis of like, well, my life is so good. I'm given such incredible opportunities to, to do things that I love. I mean, I teach meditation and yogic philosophy for a living. What a gift to be able to do that. And I can only do that. One of those, there's a few things that are absolutely non-negotiable as far as I'm concerned, probably as far as my students are concerned too, is that I need to be practicing. I need to be balanced i need to come into those teaching forums and be calibrated and connected and i need to be doing my practice and to do that part of my practice is sobriety part of my practice is that i do get really good sleep i make sure that's a priority i do exercise regularly i keep myself in that space of equilibrium so i can do my best work so i can bring the, the best part of me to the work that i do and i think once you find that through a period of sobriety, that can actually happen really quickly. I, find, I think mm. it's not some it's not some lofty goal way in the future. If you can connect with that sense of purpose mm. and your pathway, which I feel like a lot of people do get that fairly. Only if you don't get that, that's totally okay too. I mean, in my case, I got sober because I could see it already. I could just and I could see the huge blockage between me and the life that I wanted to live, and I could see 
I've resisted it for a long period of time. And it came to the point of like, if I don't stop drinking, it's just not going to happen. I can't have that and still behave this way. I need to let go of alcohol. And so through letting go of alcohol, that gave me the doorway to then get in there and start to really, I didn't realize actually probably how much work I needed to do on myself, but letting go of alcohol was the first step. At least that gave me the opportunity to really get into the process of sort of unpacking the machinations of my mind and, and getting to find a better understanding of who I am. I just had a light bulb moment there where you said, yeah, bing, bing, bing. Yeah, I totally just got that where I know I felt like that for so long. It's like I had this sort of idea of what I wanted, but it was mm. never going to happen while I was still drinking ever. I just couldn't mm. ever have got to this place that I wanted to be in. It wasn't about a job or anything like that. It was more about how I felt about myself inside. Yes. But I was never going to ever get there while I was still drinking. And I mm. think that's probably when you get to that point when you realise, yeah, I'm not going to get there. It's just mm. I can't. I can't get there. Not to the full capacity of where I want to be. Mm. That's a beautiful way yeah, we have to that. Yeah. We have to come around it for a lot of us. I'd be interested to know how other people experience that, people who've stopped drinking or are contemplating stopping drinking. If you can leave some comments or let us know yeah. how your experience has been with that because I think it's a really interesting point of, for me, and you, you actually touched on it before, it wasn't so much about wanting to do something. I mean, there was a level of like I had this feeling I was already teaching yoga and studying yoga. I thought I want to go further with this path that being an alcoholic yoga teacher is not a good look. There's a few out there, but it was. It's not the person I wanted to be. And I really had this sort of conscious awareness about, I want to bring the best part of myself to this work. But it was, as you pointed to just before, it was, it's actually more about being a certain way. There's a way that I want to feel in myself. And I'd had snippets of it through my life, but it was never sustainable. I knew that there was a, a level of harmony that I was seeking. I was seeking this contentment. I think it's the innate human desire to, and some people could seem to be able to drink and play with various substances and still be happy and content. That was not my experience. You know, it was my experience with drugs and alcohol was really up and down. There was a lot of fun, a lot of fun, undeniable. There was a lot of fun, but it was so inconsistent that the fun kind of wore off and, and what I craved more and more and more over time was this experience of, I call it contentment. I just wanted to feel okay. I wanted to have this sense of deep connection and be at my best. I wanted to achieve my best and, and being physically, emotionally, and mentally calibrated. And as you said before, I just, I, I came to a realization that I was not going to get to that point whilst I kept drinking. So it's something was going to have to change. Mm. And then once you sort of get that, start to get that sense of you stop drinking and then you have that sense, You particularly if you can fast forward the process of recovery by engaging in practices that support your filling your bucket, all the things that we've been discussing, you, you make that your new focus and you make bucket filling your hobby, you start to get a sense of that I-ness of who I am. And in yoga, we talk about dharma, this dharmic quality of just being the best version of yourself. Once you get a sense of that, it's the best taste in the world. There is nothing better. That is mm. the essence of who we are. We're really starting to live our truth and you just can't get enough. And that's yeah, every time you do your practice, that's ultimately where it's taking us back to is this dharmic mm. sense of our best self. So we just want to keep doing it. We, I mean, what better thing could there be to do with your time? Yeah, that's so true. And the removing the alcohol is a great step forward and it's a great first mm. step. See, you're lucky because you were already doing a lot of yoga. I was doing yoga and I'd been doing quite a bit of yoga with Lissy and Shane 
and doing some in and around Bali, but it wasn't for the spiritual reason. I never understood, even though they'd said it before, the yoga is, it's not about the poses, the asana, it's about this, the whole connection, the mind-body connection. And it's more about the stilling of the mind than it is Mm. the poses, but I hadn't realized that, right? So it wasn't until probably at least a year or so into my sobriety that I didn't want more. So I, I started to like myself and felt more connected to myself. I was doing my gratitude practice, doing a lot of mind work, but then I wanted more. Like, and I think that's where we get to, where we want more, we want more, we get hungry. Like we want more of this good feeling Mm. and then we expand on it. We just keep growing and growing. I think that's just such a beautiful place to be. So what you said about accelerating it, one thing I could say to people is get into those practices earlier. Don't wait a year like I did to really Mm. kind of work on that spiritual stuff because it's so helpful. It's so enriching and it, it changes the whole journey and makes it so yummy. Yeah, and I've got no other word for it, Mark. Yum. It's yum. It should be. That's a great way to describe it. My life is yum. That, but even <laughs> if you are still still drinking, like that, you can still do those practices. If it's going to a lot of people go through a period of time of exploring what sobriety looks like, drinking, not drinking. Add in the practices. Which one do you like best over time? And it is a great way to develop self-insight. So you start to learn more basically about your relationship to alcohol. I've been the year before I stopped drinking, I actually did, I think like three meditation Vipassana sits and I spent a few months in an ashram and I was like really into the practice. But then I'd, and I was, I was sober for a lot of that time, but then I'd go away and I'd drink and I'd, I'd drink a lot and I'd, I'd come back to this period of just drinking. I mean, my idea of drinking a lot is probably not, even in line with a lot of other people, what they would think is regular drinking. But for me, it was too much. And particularly after I'd had those experiences with meditation, I'm like, oh, wow, this is just definitely out of keeping. And I knew I through this realization, it's just not going to fix itself. I'm, ju- I'm not going to be able to fix this one on my own. Normal, balanced, managed drinking, it's not my path. My path is sobriety. I've done all the drinking. And through that process of meditation, I came to this acceptance. So I had this connection with Dharma, this feeling of truth, which I remember when I was in the ashram, I really had that sense of, oh, this is the path for me. I really need to go down this road. I need to go a long way down this road. This is my path, but I can't get there whilst I can't have, I can't have both. I can't have it both ways. I need for at least this next epoch of my life, I need to commit to this path and and that involves sobriety. And that's a dawning realization, I think, for most of us. And that can come, but the practicing meditation, breath work, all the things during that, it can maybe help us get there to that, whatever that realization is, it will help you get there a little bit quicker. Definitely. And I love also having the both for a while too. You get to see the contrast. It's a lot Mm. stronger because you go from one extreme, okay, this is how I feel when I'm doing these practices. And then this is how Mm. I feel when I get shit faced. And then you start to decide what works better for me? What feels better for me? It might feel okay for you to get shit faced all the time, or it might feel better for you to mm. not and be in a, in a deep practice. Or for a while, you might try and balance the two. It's all perfect. Mm. It's all perfect. It is. Yeah. And, and accepting. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's really important to emphasize of like if you are down on yourself and you're drinking or relapsing or whatever space that you're in, this it's something that so many other people have been through. I've been there. I really get that. It's part of the process and it's all okay. And that there's a pathway forward from wherever you are. One other thing that just sort of came to my mind that there's there's two reasons that I think people get sober and stay sober. One is horror, is that we do things and say things when we're drinking and, and have experiences and feelings that are 
fairly horrible. Certain memories, like, oh my goodness, oh, oh, oh my goodness, I did that. Oh, I'm never, I'm never going to drink again for whatever reason. We've all got our stories, no doubt. So that's the horror part. Unfortunately, horror doesn't keep us sober. So you talk about, and you, you do, you hear this in some AA meetings, people just talking about their, their war stories, their horror stories. And it's the, it's a nice reflection, but it, it doesn't carry a lot of weight after a while. What will keep you sober and permanently keep you sober is hope. And, and the hope, as I said before, can come really quickly, but you've got to have this connection to something that's better. So mm. that hope can come, even if you've been drinking a lot and you've been sober for a week, and it's the first week that you've had in a long period of time without alcohol. There's a sense of hope there. It's like, you know what? It's Sunday morning and I've woken up without a hangover and I'm feeling good. I'm going to go and play tennis or go for that walk or go and catch up with my friends for brunch and I'm going to be there on time. I'm going to be fully present. That's hope. And that, mm-hmm. hey, I could actually build a life around this. And over time that permeates out into all aspects of our life and we start to step into a much, much bigger life. You know, alcohol for a lot of people starts to make our lives pretty small. And we prioritize the practice of madness, really prioritizing alcohol the way people do, but that's the nature of the drug. But without alcohol, life gets so much bigger, potentially. You know, you can do things and have sophisticated relationships that are harmonious and sustainable, and you can expand in your professional world, you can expand in your spiritual world. All these things can happen. You could be physically fitter and mentally more balanced. Uh, and that's the hope of it. We start to connect with that. That's the sort of thing you fall in love with that life and of like, oh, I want more of that. This is me. This is, I'm living my best life. I'm being the best version of myself. Totally. In all honesty, Mark, I couldn't ever have imagined how good it was going to be. That's the honest truth. Like I never could have imagined in my wildest dreams that I could feel this connected to myself and that life could actually be really good without it. I was so mm. scared of life without it and thought it would be so shit mm. and so boring. But for people listening, if if you are wondering or if you're even in the early days and you're feeling like it's tough, I can just promise you, like, you keep doing the work, you keep expanding. You won't believe it how, like you say, Mark, how big life can be and mm. beautiful, beautiful. Not always perfect, of course. No, no promises there. Full. And it's yummy yeah. and it's all the things and it's a beautiful experience. So I certainly wouldn't change it. No. So Mark, one thing, we had that amazing retreat in Bali at the start of this year. Oh, God, it was the start of this year, yeah. Let's and do it again. Yeah, we're doing it again in May. And the first one, we're doing two retreats in May. The first one sold out with all the participants pretty much from the first lot. Everyone signed up and said, mm. yes, I'll do that again. Because it was so beautiful. And the second retreat, there's only a couple of rooms left now at this point. It's filling up. But what that retreat looks like is working on these things, working on the practices, doing yoga nidra Mm. every day, doing breath work. We talk, we're working through stuff. It was just a rich, beautiful, transformational experience really. Mm. And I can't wait to get back there and just do it all again and just amazing. But it's this beautiful opportunity to be in a group of like-minded people and really dig into these practices and see how good they feel. And everyone who mm. came away from that retreat just felt so good. And they were able to go on into their life when they got home and keep up with the practices, obviously not to the level that we were doing it there on the retreat, but everyone's kept some of those practices going and just keep on enriching their lives and amazing. So 
looking yeah, forward. Yeah, it's, it's something that I've done in my journey of recovery over the last decade is at least one week a year I'll dedicate completely to self-care whether that's doing a retreat or doing a course and I mean that's what this week in Bali is absolutely about and creating that container where we're all filling our buckets together and getting them really full that's the je ne sais quoi of the the special source that brings it all together that create coming into a community of like-minded people. So we do all the practices. We do lots of yoga nidra, obviously. We're doing daily breath work and meditation, journaling, exploring through compassion and inquiry. There's a lot that happened, uh, but there's also space in in that. In that, it's not a jam pack. We we allowed a lot of space in that week for people to integrate and just to have those languorous conversations. And yeah, there's something just about uh, having fresh coconuts and tropical fruits and. Beautiful you know, food. Beach, beach walks and, you know, hanging in a pool for hours at a time. It creates a special something which fills the book. We can't live like that, but it just, you come from away from a week like that, just brimming. And so, whether, you know, whether you come to Bali or whether you, you do other things, I think prioritizing that. And if you don't drink, for most of us, the amount of money that we spend on alcohol, it far exceeds what the cost of a week like that would be. And so that needs to be a priority taking time and structuring those things into the plan of your year of like okay i'm going to do this at this particular time and that's going to fill me up and i, as I said we can't live like that but we're going to learn things in those weeks in those experiences that we're going to take away and they can the little things that we integrate on a daily basis mm, it was really beautiful absolutely transformative even like there were some people on that retreat like really busy, busy, busy people that busy minds, busy lives. And I was wondering, mm. will these people be able to drop in and get into these practices? And they, gee, they did. And it was beautiful to watch them just slowing down and unraveling a little bit more, mm. a little bit more each day. It was just absolutely beautiful. So like I said, there's a couple of spots left. I think there's a couple of rooms left. And even if you are feeling like, oh, it's, it's a lot, we've got payment plans as well. You don't have to pay it all at once. So if you do mm. want to secure one of those spots, just hit us up with an email and, yeah, we'd love to have you guys on the retreat with us. See you in cool. Bali. Bali. So that's in May. And the so like I said, the first one sold out. The second retreat is May 10th to the 16th. Is that right, Mark? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 10th to the 16th in Bali. So all the details for that are on my website, iquitalcohol.com.au, and just look under resources there and all the information's there. So, yeah, or hit me up. Or hit mark up if you've got any questions about that but yeah it was a great conversation so just circling back just checking in with yourself how am I doing how am I feeling what do I need in this moment how am mm. I filling my bucket and having some good friends who are checking in on you too and letting other people know so I've got a friend like Danny in my life who's keeping an eye on me and I'll keep an eye on Danny and just say it's like hey how are you traveling yeah people who are committed to the same sort of lifestyle and the same sort of practices, mm. uh, that's a really important part too. So self-reflection and community of people like, you know, we're, we're taking this journey together. We're supporting each other to, to yeah. live in this way and, and prioritizing bucket filling as an important part of our life. Yes. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. Mark Persa, thank you so much yet again. You're an absolute champion and love your wisdom. Talk to you all We're day. We're doing our best. We're doing our best. I'll talk to you again very, very soon. Next day. See you, my friend.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.